Hi everyone, welcome back to the MetaBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of systemic mycoses found under the infectious disease section at metabullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 38-year-old man presents to an urgent care clinic in Ohio for a three-week cough. He reports having fevers, chills, and fatigue. He recently went on a local hiking trip that included waterfalls, freshwater lakes, and caves. He reports his cough was worse in the beginning, but has lingered. He denies any rashes, vomiting, or diarrhea. A chest radiograph shows patchy pulmonary infiltrates and hilar lymphadenopathy. A sputum sample under microscopy shows macrophages with intracellular yeast cells. This is a case of histoplasmosis. Let's continue with an introduction to systemic mycoses. Systemic mycoses are dimorphic yeasts. Remember that this means that they are in the mold form in the soil and outside of the body, and that they grow on saparod agar, and that they take form of yeast when in the tissues and inside of the body, and that they grow on blood agar. However, Coxioides imidis is an exception to this. Remember that it is a spherial, not a yeast, when it is in tissue. And the clinical syndromes that they can cause include pneumonia, chronic inflammatory lung disease, and systemic dissemination. Now let's review the characteristics of the different systemic mycoses. Histoplasmosis is caused by Histoplasma capsulatum. Geographically, it is found in Mississippi and Ohio River Valley. Its skin manifestations include ulcers on the oral mucosa, and on histology, one will note macrophages filled with fungus cells. Coccidioidomycosis is caused by Coccidioides imidis and Coccidioides posidaci. It is found in the southwestern United States and California, and its skin manifestations include erythema nodosum and erythema multiforme. And on histology, one will note spherules, which are larger than red blood cells, filled with endospores. Blastomycosis is caused by Blastomyces dermatitidis. It is found in the eastern United States and in the central United States. Its skin manifestations include verruca skin lesions. And on histology, one will note broad-based budding yeast, which are about the same size as red blood cells. Paracoccidioidomycosis is caused by Paracoccidioides brasiliensis and Paracoccidioides lutzi. It is found in Latin America, and its skin manifestations include verruca skin lesions. And on histology, one will note budding yeasts that are larger than red blood cells. The differential for systemic mycoses includes tuberculosis. This also affects the pulmonary system, and it also causes granulomas, cavitations, and calcifications. However, unlike these systemic mycoses, tuberculosis can be transmitted person to person. The treatment for the systemic mycoses includes amphotericin B for systemic infections and itraconazole or fluconazole for localized infections. With regards to epidemiology, the patient populations that it affects depends on their geographic location. And in terms of the transmission, this is caused by inhalation of spores, and remember that these diseases cannot be transmitted between people. In terms of the pathogenesis, first there is inhalation, which causes a pulmonary infection. The fungi can then disseminate to other organs, in particular the skin. There is then formation of granulomas, which are composed of epithelioid cells and multinucleated giant cells, and this entire process is Th1 mediated. Now let's discuss histoplasmosis in more detail. It is caused by Histoplasma capsulatum. Geographically, it is found in Mississippi and the Ohio River Valley, which includes Ohio and Tennessee. Risk factors include bird or bat excretions, chicken farms, exploring caves or spelunking, and HIV infection. 
The disease presents with pneumonia, which is usually self-limiting, chronic cavitary lung disease, hilar lymphadenopathy, gastrointestinal symptoms, splenomegaly, and oral mucosal ulcers on the tongue or palate. And in terms of imaging, one can obtain a chest radiograph, which will typically be normal or will demonstrate patchy infiltrates with hilar or mediastinal lymphadenopathy. And in terms of other studies, one can detect the antigen in serum or urine, and one can perform a tissue biopsy with methanamine silver or periodic acid shift stains, which will demonstrate oval yeasts within macrophages. Now let's discuss coccidioidomycosis. It is caused by coccidioides imidis or coccidioides pasadasi. Geographically, it is found in the southwestern United States, which includes Arizona, New Mexico, and Southern California, as well as Central and South America. Risk factors include earthquakes, which release spherules from the soil. Patients will typically present with pneumonia, and there will be dissemination to the skin in 50% of patients. This may take the form of erythema nodosum, which is known as desert bumps, or erythema multiforme. Some patients will present with arthralgias, which is known as desert rheumatism, and some patients will have meningitis. In terms of other imaging, a chest radiograph may demonstrate consolidations, hilar or mediastinal lymphadenopathy, or pleural effusions. And on chest CT, one may note multifocal ground glass opacities. In terms of other studies, one can detect IgM in the serum, one can also detect the antigen in the serum, and on tissue biopsy, one will note spherules, which are larger than the red blood cells, filled with endospores. Now let's discuss blastomycosis. This is caused by Blastomyces dermatitidis. Geographically, it is found in the eastern United States and the central United States, and risk factors include HIV infection. Most patients will be asymptomatic. However, some will present with pneumonia, and some will have severe chronic inflammatory lung disease, and there will also be dissemination to the skin, often on the face. This will usually take the form of verrucous skin lesions, granulomatous nodules, or ulcers. And in terms of other imaging, chest CT will typically demonstrate infiltrates without hilar lymphadenopathy and cavitary lesions in chronic disease. And in terms of other studies, tissue biopsy may demonstrate broad-based budding yeasts that are typically the same size as red blood cells. Now let's discuss paracoxidioidomycosis. This is caused by paracoxidioides brasilensis or paracoxidioides lutzi. It is also known as South American blastomycosis. Geographically, it is found in Latin America, and it typically affects males more than females. Risk factors include contact with soil. Patients will typically present with severe chronic inflammatory lung disease, pneumonia, lymphadenopathy, and dissemination to the skin, often onto the face, but it can also affect mucous membranes. This will usually take the form of verrucous skin lesions or granulomatous nodules. And in terms of other imaging, chest radiograph will typically demonstrate bilateral infiltrates without cavitation. With regards to other studies, tissue biopsy will demonstrate budding yeasts, a captain's wheel formation, and granulomas. And lastly, let's discuss sporothrix shanki. It is typically a localized infection, but it can present systemically. It causes localized disease which can present with painful nodules traveling along lymphatic channels. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to systemic mycoses, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 25-year-old man presents to the emergency department with a fever, chills, cough, and aches that started three days ago. He has also experienced night sweats and chills during this time frame. 
This morning, he noticed warts and a few small bleeding lesions on his skin. The patient has a past medical history of type 1 diabetes and asthma and is currently taking insulin, albuterol, and fluticasone. He is generally healthy and just returned from a trip visiting his family in the southeastern United States. His temperature is 102 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.9 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 129 over 82. Pulse is 107 beats per minute. Respirations are 19 breaths per minute, and oxygen saturation is 95% on room air. Physical exam demonstrates an ill-appearing young man. Pulmonary exam is notable for bilateral coarse breath sounds. Dermatologic exam demonstrates a warty lesion on his face. A chest radiograph is obtained and demonstrates bilateral interstitial infiltrates and hyaluronopathy. Further diagnostic studies and tests are sent off and are currently pending. Which of the following is the best treatment for the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Azithromycin and ceftriaxone Choice 2. Itraconazole and amphotericin Choice 3. Rifampin, isoniazid, pyrazinamide, and ethambutol Choice 4. Supportive therapy Or Choice 5. Vancomycin, piperacillin-tazobactam, and azithromycin The best answer to this question is choice 2, itraconazole and amphotericin. This patient is presenting with recent travel to the southeastern United States with fever, fatigue, cough, night sweats, and warty skin lesions with bleeding ulcers, which is concerning for a diagnosis of blastomycosis, which should be treated with itraconazole and amphotericin for disseminated disease. Blastomycosis dermatitidis is a fungus that is typically found in the Mississippi and Ohio River valleys. Though most cases are asymptomatic, some patients, and in particular those who are immunosuppressed, such as diabetics or patients with HIV, can present with flu-like symptoms, including a fever, chills, cough, muscle aches, joint pain, and chest pain. It is possible for patients to experience night sweats, chills, and weight loss as well. Pulmonary symptoms are common and can present with coarse breath sounds and a cough. Dermatologic findings can include verruca skin lesions with irregular borders, microabscesses, and bleeding ulcerated lesions. Radiography can demonstrate alveolar infiltrates, cavitations, mass lesions, and lymphadenopathy. The diagnosis can be confirmed with a serum or urine antigen test and a fungal culture. The treatment of blastomycosis is itraconazole and amphotericin B for severe or disseminated infection or for immunocompromised patients. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Azithromycin and ceftriaxone would be indicated in the management of community-acquired pneumonia, which would present with a fever, a cough, and lobar consolidation on chest radiography. Choice 3. Rifampin, isoniazid, pyrazinamide, and ethambutol would be indicated in the management of diperculosis, which would present in an at-risk patient, such as a prisoner, IV drug user, or healthcare worker with a fever, chills, night sweats, cough, weight loss, and pleuritic chest pain. Radiography would show infiltrates in the lung and hilar or mediastinal adenopathy. Choice 4. Supportive therapy would be indicated for a viral pneumonia, which would present with a low-grade fever and cough in a generally well-appearing patient. Interstitial infiltrates or a normal chest radiograph may be seen. Choice 5. Vancomycin, piperacillin-tazobactam, and azithromycin are broad-spectrum antibiotics that cover for MRSA, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, gram-positives, gram-negatives, 
anaerobes, and atypicals. This could be indicated for hospital-acquired or ventilator-associated pneumonia. Finally, a bullet summary. The treatment of blastomycosis is itraconazole and amphotericin for disseminated disease. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 44-year-old man with a past medical history of HIV on antiretroviral therapy presents to the emergency department with a rash. He was recently treated for streptococcal pharyngitis. He smokes one pack of cigarettes per day and uses IV drugs regularly. The patient lives alone, owns two cats, and enjoys hiking and outdoor activities. He states that the rash was initially localized, but has been spreading. He states that it is tender to the touch. The patient's vitals are within normal limits, and physical exam is notable for subcutaneous nodules in a linear pattern along the medial aspect of his arm. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Abscess Choice 2. Bacillary angiomatosis Choice 3. Contact dermatitis Choice 4. Erythema nodosum or Choice 5. Sporotrichosis The best answer to this question is Choice 5. Sporotrichosis this patient is presenting with subcutaneous nodules that travel along the lymphatic channels, suggesting a diagnosis of sporotrichosis. Sporotrichosis is caused by traumatic inoculation of the fungus sporothrichschenke, which is typically found on plants and in soil. After the initial incubation period, patients can present with several different presentations, including a fixed, crusted ulcer or verrucous plaque, a subcutaneous nodule or pustule, or as a painless nodule at the site of inoculation that develops subcutaneous nodules that migrate along lymphatic channels. The treatment for localized disease is itraconazole. However, disseminated disease, which is more common in immunocompromised patients, may be treated with amphotericin. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Abscess would present with a tender and fluctuant mass. However, it would not present with multiple nodules or subcutaneous nodules that migrate along lymphatic channels. Choice 2. Bacillary angiomatosis occurs secondary to Bartonella hensley and is a more common in HIV-infected patients. It presents with bright red friable and exophytic nodules. Choice 3. Contact dermatitis presents with pruritic vesicles after exposure to certain antigens like poison ivy. This condition is a type 4 hypersensitivity reaction and is treated with steroids. Choice 4. Erythema nodosum is a paniculitis that typically occurs in the lower extremities after exposure to medications or certain infections. It presents with tender nodules and is treated symptomatically. Finally, a bullet summary. Sporothrichschenke presents with nodules that are subcutaneous and travel along lymphatic channels. That's all for this review about systemic mycoses. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.